Today, This American Dice presents another exciting episode of GM Advice. David and Austin sat down together in order to talk about how people could make not only splitting the party possible, but fun. Then, they led into today's discussion, how to make bad guys, villains, scary and interesting. Go ahead and listen as they go through their 50 collective years of experience of messing things up in order to show you often how not to do stuff and to talk about Star Wars way more than you want to hear. All right, so our next topic that we're going to talk about is how to make villains or bad guys in a game scary, intimidating, um, how to make them interesting characters and specifically positioned as interesting villains. So scary. So, um, let's just start this off in an easy way. Let's throw out just some villains that we think are good villains. We'll go back and forth. Each of us, let's do, let's do three. Give me one. Oh, sure. Um, (laughs) oh, we got Magneto. Magneto is really good. Um, the easy go-to is from that is Darth Vader is a great villain. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, what about Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> Hannibal Lecter's pretty good. Again, we could argue he's one of those like characters who's, who's not really the bad guy of the movie, but definitely villainous enough that I think he fits in there pretty well. Um, is um, what's what's the name? What's the lady's name? Starling. Yeah, Clarice Starling. Hello, Clarice. Yeah, is Clarice the real villain because she has to, to deal with the devil? Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Um. The, the the real villain is the fava beans, uh, <laughs> and and the nice candy. So, I used to do a bit where I was like, uh, um, what is her name? That actress. Uh, Jodie Foster. I was like. I was like, Jodie Foster, Bill Clinton, and Matthew McConaughey all have basically the same voice. Mm. And it's like, can you point that hot power perception back at yourself, Dr. Lecter? And now just imagine, <laughs> oh like... Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> imagine, now, yeah, now imagine, like, hey, can you point that hot power perception back at yourself? And then, like, hey, 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 got to <laughs> point that hot power perception back at yourself. Like, just as the same basic yeah. kind of voice, like, just a little bit pitched up or down or, like, made more stoned. Mm-hmm. And, more haze. Uh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, so you said Hannibal Lecter. Uh, a good villain that I could go with here is... We just had this long conversation, and now I'm having a hard time. Of, of, ooh, actually, in a movie that both of us, uh, I think, like... And it's another guilty ple- another guilty pleasure of mine. We were just having a discussion about how we often don't like the same movies. Uh, Christopher Walken in the Prophecy. Mm-hmm. His character Gab- Gabriel is. Uh, oh right, right. I think I think very good, and I think to a certain degree breaks some of the rules that we'll have with some of this other stuff. Viggo Mortensen, who plays the devil, is also really good in that too. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'd consider him the villain of the movie. You got yeah. one more, and then I got one more. Oh, Jaws. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> the shark puppet was called Bruce uh, <laughs> at times. <laughs> Jaws is very scary. I don't want to discount that completely. Um, but, okay, then I'll hop in. 
and say um, Gul Dukat from Star Trek. Oh, sure. The main Cardassian from Deep Space Nine. Oh, was he the... He was like the, the, the nice... Or the guy that was always on the... No, he wasn't... Um, you're thinking of Garrick, the guy who was mm. the tailor and who used to be an assassin. You're right. He was a he was a fun character in that story because he he did a lot of the things that a good villain I think does, but he wasn't a, a villain in the story. Gul Dukat was one of the Cardassian leaders, and then later on became like a crazy religious zealot where he made a deal with like the devil versions of the the weird prophets that lived in the wormhole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it was was nuts. Star Trek. But yeah, so, um, what are some qualities you think that make a good bad guy or a good villain? And then we can get into how we translate this into a game. Mm, Okay, interesting. So I'm thinking of, like, what's actually scary, just on a, like, a human level kind of thing. And one of the big ones is, like, mystery, right? Like, fear of the unknown. I'm scared of what's in the dark. Mm-hmm. So, so in that capacity, like the Xenomorph from Aliens is a good mm, villain, yeah. Because through so much of the movie, you don't see fully what it is, and you don't even know what it is because it's this thing that pops out of an egg and grabs John Hurt's face or whatever it is, or pops out of his John Hurt's chest. I forget exactly how. Right. The yeah, the face burster. Yeah. <laughs> totally different, but um. Yeah, and especially, I mean, now now we have Wikipedia, so we know everything about the alien's, uh, you know, reproductive cycle and what, everything of what it does, but I can't turn, imagine... Turn-ons, I'm really yeah. into uh, classical mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Turn-offs, I don't like mustaches. <laughs> but at the time, and especially if you've, if you've watched this and somehow not known anything about it, it must have been terrifying, especially for people watching this movie and at least for the characters if nothing else like what is this creature why its blood went through like four floors of this space station what's what's going on why is this weird crab making out with this guy that's that's an, a counter example of that is when you have a lot of like horror movies where something is supposed to be scary and something is supposed to be intimidating you usually in good ones you usually don't see the monster fully all the way Especially yeah. if it's like, here is this physical thing. You don't see it the whole way through. Even in like the, um, some of like the early slasher movies, th- th- these break down very fast, but like the Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, like uh, Friday the 13th, Jason movies, like you don't see them in the early ones right off the bat. Jason's not really even in the first Friday the 13th movie basically at all. Um, but you don't see them out in broad daylight. I remember as a kid, I really liked the Godzilla movies, but I was never. I was always like, "Are there people who are afraid of this? Like where mm-hmm. Godzilla just comes out and it's like it's clearly a guy in a suit and he's stumbling around <laughs> and he's kicking shit and knocking over the same Tokyo Tower in every movie." Uh-huh. And I was always like, "You could never be scared of of that. You see what it is. You see it too easily." It was fun to watch as a kid. Later on, learning about the history of the Godzilla movies, that yeah. was not the scary aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but so, I think that that was something. Like, in some of the things, an, an element of mystery of what's going on does really, really help. Yeah, and um, just having, um, you know, withholding a lot of uh, the details about 
I guess we're going to the advice part right now, but withholding a lot of the details with these uh, these villains. You know, like uh, you got Doctor Doom, uh, Jason, like you just said, um, Darth Vader. Like they all, you can barely see any part of their face. It's like, what does that person actually look like? What are they doing? We can't even see their facial expressions really. It, it's like terrifying. It also, it's a visual element that is a little bit less, but it the idea of like what's behind this mask becomes like a scary thing. I wonder if nowadays we're going to have a slightly different take on that because of the the pandemic stuff oh, yeah. um, and just everybody wearing masks regularly. But um, I mean, I was terrified of everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think holding back some of that information, an important thing that makes villains cool, I think, is some of that mystery element. And in games, a thing that you can think about, and this is kind of true for a lot of NPCs, but with villains in particular, you don't have to explain everything. How did the villain get from point A to point B? Or how did the villain get from point A to point G without going through all those other steps? You don't need to explain it. They're the bad guy. They end up there. How is it that Jason can walk at a steady pace while his victim is running away as fast as they can and Jason still catches them? We don't need to worry about it. Uh, That's terrifying. Like, it shouldn't be able to do that. But, right, I'm even saying, like, the mystery aspect of it is don't sweat some of those details because I think sometimes trying to explain all of those things, A, gives you more work, but then beyond that makes what's going on more mundane. Um, An example of that that I can give that worked out, I think, kind of crappily. Uh, I was a fan of the 2000-whatever Battlestar Galactica. I enjoyed that show. Oh, yeah. Early on, it seemed like the Cylons in that show have this plan. And um, one of the interesting things is they seem to have this plan. They always seem to be a step ahead of the humans. Right. And whatever the humans do, the sightlines seem to be like, ha-ha, yes, they walked right into it. Like, even when the humans seem to be winning. And then later on, it's revealed. Yep. Spoiler alert like here, for movie, sure. The plan. In the movie, The Plan, like the made-for-TV movie, The Plan, which was like a little add-on to it. They didn't have yeah. a plan. It was they were kind bullshit. of just yeah. going with it and it just... And I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, Like, exactly. it seemed so much cooler. If that had been a reveal way later in the show, I think it would have been stronger of, like, actually, we didn't know fully what blah, blah, blah. But to keep that suspense there, when, once they told me that, I was like, these characters are so much less impressive when it was this vast conspiracy that every step we make, we don't know if we're playing into their hands or not, is much scarier. Writing does this all the time, too, like, the villain comes out of nowhere that they shouldn't there's no logical reason why this they should have been here been able to figure out this beforehand and just like yeah I did it fuck you (laughs) sorry it's more like uh, keeping the reasoning or the rationale Mm -hmm. is in the dark is kind of way more terrifying so I think that that could be that's something there that it doesn't the villain also doesn't have to play by the same rules that the protagonist has to play by. Yeah. Um, and I think within gaming, we can often do that by having the 
especially in a lot of things, if the villain is a demon or a dragon or some kind of robot super virus or some kind of magical wizard, they can just use different rules. Like, you don't need to nail it down. And even if you're playing kind of a crunchier game, don't feel married to those rules. Like, some of these things can just happen differently because you're dealing with... Um, James Earl Jones's character in Conan the Barbarian, like 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 he works differently. He can turn into a snake. No yeah. one else can turn into a snake. James yeah. Earl Jones can. If, James if there's ever a reason Jones. to uh, cheat in a role playing game, quote unquote cheat, it would be with the villain to make a, a terrifying, interesting kind of encounter. And I think that that's different from trying to save the villain because I think in some role playing games, especially when you're younger. Mm, maybe okay, less experienced yeah. you are like I came up with this really dope villain his name is uh, Killjoy and he's got a huge <laughs> sword but it's just really a huge cleaver and he's dressed all in black and this is definitely not a character that I had in a game that I played in high school <laughs> and then one of the PCs just beat the shit out of him like right mm, away like yeah. it was nothing and I was like Ugh. and um, I was like Ugh, how does this guy get away and that, that kind point. of stuff like yeah, cheat that, up to the up into the point when they meet, I guess. Well, even just cheating. Cheat like, until you meet. That's what it's tattooed on the small of my back. Yeah, it's what I what I, what I would say with that is why you're cheating those rules, why you're changing the rules of the game means something. If you're just changing it just to keep them alive, so they can come back in another scene, boring. Don't. That's kind of boring. Excuse me. If you're cheating to make them seem more interesting, make them seem cooler, show off something about the world or their plot, that's more interesting. Han Solo, who we've seen, can whip out a blaster and shoot Greedo dead to rights, no problem. Although some say that he did it in response to Greedo yeah, shooting he, he at him. Yeah, he dodged. You um, Like, Han Solo has Darth Vader dead to rights when they're on, um, what the fuck was Lando's planet called? Cloud City? Bespin? Cloud City, Bespin, yeah. He pulls the blaster out, and what happens? Darth Vader just blocks it with his hand. Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. And then he yanks the gun out of his hand with the power of the Force. That makes that really cool, because we've seen Han Solo do this thing and be able to do this, and then when he can't do it, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, when you... Uh, He's not the villain of this story. He's specifically the hero of this story. But in The Green Mile, one of the prison guards is this really big guy. Uh, the actor who played him in the movie version was also in uh, The Rock with Sean Connery and Chris Nicholas Cage. John Coffey? Uh, the character no, name? No. Well, hold on. He's, he's one of the guards. Okay. And at some point, they come in and they tell Tom Hanks, hey, this guy that we're bringing in here... John Coffey, Michael Clark Duncan's character, they're like, he's big. And Tom Hanks, of course, says, like, he can't be bigger than you because this dude is pretty big. And they're like, like, you have a shot of them, like a look in their eyes of like, yeah, he's bigger than me. Kind of. And then Michael Clark Duncan, who has passed, but was gigantic, like comes in and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, this is the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) Kind of a thing. Like that kind of, that kind of deal. Um... And so, like, I don't think that's mystery at this point, really, but it's changing up those those rules and changing yeah. up expectations, I think, is important. So, like, 
those expectations of how this works. Yeah. And, and well, another, another way to kind of preserve the mystery too is, and to preserve these, uh, villains, so they don't die in immediately is to, uh, just foreshadow them as, as much and as early as possible. Yes. I think that that, I think that that matters. I'm going to use the L5R game at times to, to talk about this. The more connected to the story, especially to the characters the villain is, the better. I think that's why Magneto works so well as a villain, because not only have he and Charles Xavier at times been the best and closest of friends, but they've worked together for this better world and then diverged, and the things they diverge on is their visions of what that world is supposed to be and how we're supposed to get to it. Mm -hmm. And so in an encounter with them, if they were in a game and you're playing Charles Xavier and you've got Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean and everybody there as the PCs and you've got Magneto as the villain, the thing you bring up, at this point it's trite because there's been so much fucking X-Men stuff, but the thing that you bring up is that backstory. You bring up how alien and how different somebody like Wolverine is, where he's, you can never be human. You know what I mean? Like, that's not you at all. Like, you get into the personal and make that connection. And it's not foreshadowing, as you've said, but it's connecting, it's connecting actually to the character's stories. Right. So I apologize. I switched gears on you with with, with foreshadowing, but I think that's something that's super important. The more you can connect the villain to the character, to the characters, the better that it is. And even that works the best with those kind of talky villains. Right. Uh, like Magneto, where he can kind of bring up all this stuff about their character, or like Darth Vader, or like Emperor Palpatine, who, you know, I mean, he can tempt Luke with these ideas and these things of, do you want to do this? Um, or tempt uh, Hayden Christensen. Anakin, couldn't remember the character yeah. name for a second. Um, but yeah, he can tempt him with all of these things and talk these things through with him. But it also works with um, even purely like physical villains, like a xenomorph kind of character or a uh, Terminator, where it's, if you have something that the character, for instance, the stereotype, hey, foreshadowing, we know the character's afraid of heights. Well, where do they have to fight? They got to fight them on a rope bridge. Yeah, like that it, connects make it to personal, this stuff. Yeah. It, you make it personal. But For sure. I interrupted your foreshadowing uh, thing, so I don't well, know if you want to well, know that, that. That's a very important point, too, to make it personal. That's really good. But yeah, foreshadowing, I think, um, always have like the rumors and the stories of the villain come before the villain. So I'm trying to think of an example of this. Like, uh, you, you heard about... Um, Darth Vader way before you saw him, and when Luke saw him, he couldn't. He had he was powerless to to fight him. It was he and Obi Wan having that duel, like he couldn't do anything. And he saw him, you know, kill his own master, and he only was able to finally face him, you know, at the end of the next movie. So, like the story should definitely precede these villains. And if we talk about Magneto. Um, like, you don't fight Magneto when you see him. You fight the Brotherhood of Mutants. And he sends these, uh, you know, lieutenants that, that are villainous in their own way, way ahead of him before he's willing to get his hands dirty. So that's another way you can kind of build this mystery up of, oh, he's this is the worst 
most terrible person that's ever existed. They've killed 100 nuns yesterday. Yeah. And, oh, here comes their number two, their lieutenant. And they're just as bad. To to give, like, a counterexample of some of that stuff, um, I will not... I am not alone in my critique of Darth Maul as a villain in The Phantom Menace. In subsequent stuff, that character became awesome. Mm-hmm. And the character looked really cool. The character had a great look. But one of the stories I have read is that they initially offered the role of Darth Maul to Benicio Del Toro. But as the character kept being just special effects and martial arts, where he would be like, well, I can't do flips, so you're going to have to have a body double in for me (laughs) almost the entire time, so you're just using my voice. And then they cut the lines. Supposedly, he turned the role down and said, I don't want to do it anymore because it's not a character. Mm -hmm. Um, Then we all fell in love with his character later on in uh, Last Jedi. His character of... DJ? Computer Man? Right? Was he, did you just go by DJ? I think his name was DJ. A character who definitely appears in the rest of the movies. Um, yeah. But the anyway, he... Darth Maul looks awesome. There's no doubt about that. The fight scene with Darth Maul from like a kung fu movie perspective is really cool. From a story perspective, though, And given that when you're doing these role-playing games, you're not seeing these characters flip around and fight each other with cool swords and stuff. You're describing what's happening. That scene is kind of boring. And that scene is not very... That character, I should say, is kind of boring because we don't learn anything about him. We just learn that he's red, he's badass, and... um, He's got two lightsabers. He's got two light, and he has a cool sword. Which I would say goes under badass. Yeah. So, and being red, kind of being badass. He looks like the devil. Yeah. So basically he just looks really awesome. And he does cool shit. So that's the things. We don't see him do really much that's cool before he encounters the characters. There could have maybe been another scene. And if we were doing this as a role-playing game, maybe you hear that like, oh, there had been... There had been these other people from the Jedi Council. They were murdered. We don't know what's going on. The thing that we can't figure out is it's done with a lightsaber. That kind of deal. Or there was this village of these people that were all wiped out. Um, and Qui-Gon's there and he's like, the midichlorians are terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm doing Alec Guinness as the wrong voice. But yeah, the... Um, I think they're both Irish. I don't know. Anyway, but the... Um, that that we either hear about that character or we see him doing something because the first time we see him really do a thing, it's when he's in that cloak and he attacks Qui-Gon and Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan. Oh my God, I can't remember. Couldn't believe that. Uh He he attacks Liam Neeson and Ewan McGregor in the desert and then they get away and he's like, oh, damn you, you got away from me, my evil plans. But of course he doesn't say anything. Then we don't really see him do anything again until they're on Naboo and they have that fight that's cool. Absent from this is who the fuck is this guy? We know he's Darth Sidious's apprentice. Yeah. So it's really setting up Palpatine more than right. Darth and Maul. and if you haven't seen the previous Star Wars movies, 
you don't even really know who that dude is, Darth Sidious. He's just a guy in a cloak who's kind of mean, and he has this red devil man that works for him. Um, and I, I think that it, it's the movie. The movie fails to make that character even as cool as he could be. And uh, long ago, I had a boss who talked about this, and one of the things that he pointed out was in Empire Strikes Back and in Return of the Jedi, Luke and Darth Vader are talking throughout the conflicts, and you're learning about them as people and as characters. Darth Maul doesn't speak, and you and regret Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon yeah. Jinn don't have anything to say to him because they don't know who the fuck this guy is. Yeah, Maybe he could have been an apprentice that had left and says something about the Sith Code or criticizes them as Jedi. Maybe he could tempt Ewan McGregor in some kind of way against Qui-Gon or make him question him in some way or another. Yeah. That he could have done any of those things could have been interesting, but the fact that he doesn't means all he is is a guy doing flips. Yeah. And while mechanically that might be cool if we're changing this into a role-playing game, he has a lot of cool moves... And fighting him might be fun for a person who loves the tactics of the game. If you love the story of the game and the characters of the game, Darth Maul's not interesting. Yeah. Longer than I wanted to go on that, but yeah. anyway. Darth Maul definitely sucks. Uh, agreed. And all the other lieutenants aren't much better in the, the prequels. I feel they're all better than Darth Maul, but... In... I... I'll give you a counterexample to that and try to be faster. Okay. Count Dooku, I think, is more interesting because when we meet him, when we see him on screen for the first time, he's captured you and Mc... he's captured Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Um, and Chris Christopher Lee, Count Dooku, tries to tempt you and McGregor away from what he's doing. The first thing that he does isn't chop you and McGregor's head off. The first thing he does is say, like, there's a traitor inside, blah, blah, blah. He actually kind of tells him some of the truth of what's going I got on. You. yeah. And so but he gets the, into that temptation uh-huh. where it's so much better in the first scene with Christopher Lee. Later exactly. on, it doesn't get much better. No, but... and I'm trying to say the uh, the kind of the benefit, I don't know, the advice part of that is that um, all, all three of these with uh, General Grievous too are kind of uh, lieutenants, you know, and... They all set, they work to set up Palpatine being like this really crazy villain. Like, oh, he has all three of these badasses. He's got the the crazy fighter, who I guess gets cut in half for the first time. He's got the the very charming anti-Jedi, like fallen Jedi, who's very fascinating, has backstories that are actually interesting with the other characters. And he's got this, like, robot man that um, kills Jedis for fun, like, how bad must this Palpatine guy be? He's, oh my gosh, awful. So you think the foreshadowing works where we don't encounter this person right away. Instead, we learn about their badness to get an idea of that and build that in our own heads. And then when we encounter them, we've already got that badness in our head of like what they do and why they're bad and scary. Yeah, if you if you kind of keep um, the, the main villain as, um, away from you know, face-to-face as long as possible. It'll, you know, just the uh, the players are going to kind of fill in the blanks, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this per- this person works for them. Like, how how much worse must this upcoming person be? <laughs> how, how do you feel about um, the situation where the villain was one of the 
the in the end there's a betrayal. The villain was a person that you had trusted previously. How do you feel about that in a role playing game? Um, that one's good. It can it's it can be tricky because um, like there's this uh, you know like gaming term like a bleed you know where you don't ever want to like oh well just to explain that very briefly bleed is like when uh, a character's emotions kind of bleed into the player's emotions or vice versa. I guess vice versa is fine, but um, you always want to make the uh, the character sad, not necessarily the, uh, the yeah. players, if you can help it, although a little bit, whatever. But betrayals can be super interesting and have, you know, it's one of the, the mainstays of all stories, kind of. Like, there's so many that you can think of. But you never want the uh, the player to feel bad or make the thing cheaper. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm just wondering if you, when you do that, when you have somebody who the character had trusted, do you need to have known it the whole time and laid those seeds, foreshadowed some of that stuff? Or do you think it's it's cheap where, like, this character, they never would have seen it coming, the plan was too good from the start? Do you think that that's no good? Oh, interesting. You mean, like, um, like oh, they, they rolled poorly. Maybe this character that's been here since the beginning is betrays them now or something. Or what do you mean? I mean, we could go either way. So Powered by the Apocalypse games, uh, a, a failed role can mean all kinds of crazy shit happens. And yeah, maybe your lieutenant who'd been cool with everything the whole time decides now's the time for the power play. I'm not the lieutenant anymore. I'm in charge. Get the fuck out of here kind of a thing. Or it could be just that this person had been there, but their plan has been so good and so airtight that the characters, either through a fault of the players not noticing it, through a fault of bad roles, or just you've planned this out so well, they never they never saw this coming. That in the end, uh, like, whoa, it was you the whole time? Fuck. Yeah, I don't the know. That... Fucking... Um, Usual suspects <laughs> thing mm-hmm. at the end where there it's like, oh, Kevin, no. Who would have thought Kevin Spacey's not the best guy? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, I don't know. That one's really tricky. I think um, I, would, I would try to personally steer away from that kind of stuff. Um, thinking about it ahead of time. I think if it's left up to the dice, like, and everyone knows that, that it's arbitrary. It's like, I think maybe you're wife takes out a knife now and it's going to kill you something like that like if it's if we all know that this is happening now instead of well kaiser sose was your was your wife the whole time you didn't see that wow i put in some hints for you um that can be interesting but it, i think it's way more interesting as a viewer than as a participant because mm-hmm. i think I don't know. I, I feel like it would be too dangerous to, to have that bleed happen. You think you'd just feel cheated? Kind of, of like... Yeah, like you don't want to like M. Night Shyamalan somebody. You know, like the twist comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. If you if you have very strong hints, or even just, as we always say, just up front, like the, um, what, the dramatic irony could yeah. be really interesting too. If you just... Where the player knows, but the character doesn't. Yeah, that okay. could be really fun. I... If I would do anything, I would probably do that. That could be pretty good. Okay. And then, even if it's like the session before or something, 
where it's just like, oh, well. And then they go back to their their hidden lair and take out the uh, the picture of you on the dartboard. Yeah, with the eyes crossed out, yeah. X'd out. Okay. It's like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. I thought my wife loved me. Okay. I don't know why the wife is the villain in this, but... She's saying something about you, David. Sorry, Maricia. <laughs> um, okay. Well, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I have any other advice. My my biggest advice we already talked about is make things personal. Like, connect to the characters. Connect to the players the most. If you have a villain who can talk with them, if they have some kind of ideology or mindset or can yeah. mess with the players in some kind of way, like, with their characters in some kind of way, that works really well, where they can either tempt them or scare them or threaten them in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Yeah, I was going to say one of the other things I, I wrote down, like a good quality, is that they're highly motivated. And this is kind of for every character. Yeah. But especially for villains, um, if you make their motivation not terribly evil, like almost relatable, like a Magneto situation. Um, who else did they say? Oh, like a Thanos in the movie uh, situation. where the So the... I don't want to spoil it for you because I know you hate Marvel movies and probably haven't seen them, but... I are, they already revealed what color he was. I know he's Grimace's he's dad. Purple. Um, yeah, so... Uh, briefly with that, uh, Thanos in the comic books is way different. He's just like, I want to kill all as many yeah, people as possible. Doesn't so. want to like, have sex with the goddess of death or something yeah. like that? Okay. He's like, I'm going to kill as many people to give to death so that she'll notice me, which is a weird motivation that is kind of hard to relate to hopefully he's an incel exactly um whereas in the other one he's he it's more um it's still stupid but it's more mm-hmm. relatable where, I've, I've, I've heard of what it is and i do i do think it sounds pretty dumb he's yeah it's not as dumb but at least it comes from um uh not a selfish place like mm-hmm. a an altruistic place his thought is I need to help the universe by doing this terrible thing. By helping everybody out. They just don't know that this will actually help them. Matt Matt Coville brought this up, and this is not his original idea, but he says a good villain at times can be, or an evil character at times can be interesting if they are almost the inverse or the converse, I forget, the flipped version of an anti-hero. Where an anti-hero does the right thing for the wrong reason. An Mm anti-villain does the wrong, a bad thing for a good reason. Yeah, that's a great way to think and of so it. And so like yeah. Ozymandias and Watchmen where it's like, oh, I want to stop this nuclear war that will destroy all of humanity and so the only way to unite humanity is against a common foe so I'll come up with this nonsense squid monster Yeah, and that will get the United States and the Soviet Union to stop fighting with one another or posturing towards one another and focus on an external threat. Yeah. Um... And then the TV show undercut that. But yeah. they wanted to talk about other stuff, which I also liked, so I was okay with it. Um, yeah, so uh, strong motivation no matter what. Like, at the very least, like, even, like, sure, Doctor Doom is a good villain because he's like, I want to prove that I'm the best there is, mm-hmm. which is not very, uh, like, relatable or whatever. Uh, yeah, like he's, he's collecting a, every Pokemon. Yep, yeah, there you go. But um, he's still... Oh, and the Terminator is another example, like... Oh, the Terminator has one goal. He's killing this person that he's built to kill. There's no changing this motivation. Like a very, very strong motivation. Not very relatable. It's more interesting, I feel, if 
it's kind of a you can kind of think, oh, perhaps I can see the the rationale behind that motivation. Yeah, sure, mm-hmm. I could I could see that, which makes them harder to. There was a yeah, more interesting, I guess. There was an anime called Kashan, Robot Hunter, that was kind of like a version of Terminator. With <laughs> Reverse Terminator. About. Oh no! It um, well the 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 premise was it takes place in this apo- post-apocalyptic kind of future where um, this like a- this AI has built all of these robots and like humans are being like enslaved and um, the reasoning that's eventually given is that uh, like the head the Skynet type thing that was created that's in charge of all the other AIs was created with the main goal of protect humanity, and then it decided I have to protect humanity from itself, and all of the things that it's doing are trying to protect humanity from itself. Now the Sentinel situation, Days of Future Past. Is that the, is that the deal? Uh-huh. Okay. But yeah. So I, have to, I have to protect the world from all mutants. One day, humans can evolve into mutants, therefore I must enslave them all. Yeah. So that kind of stuff can be interesting because it connects to... It connects to the characters in some kind of way. You can provide this motivation, especially if you have very human villains that can talk and be relatable characters. That's always, I think, always better than... Um, I just watched that movie Tomorrow War. I haven't seen Chris it. Pratt. How was that? Um, it wasn't terrible. But uh, the baddies are just... They're just big monster aliens. And they run around and they kill people. That's the deal. Like, you're not going to get much more out of that movie. And I think if you've seen the commercials, you don't expect to get much more out of the movie. Yeah. Um, And you won't. Like, it's like, okay, well, how are we going to stop these big monsters? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of like the force of nature. Like, that Terminator, Jaws, Bruce, I mean. Yeah. uh, They're also strongly motivated just by their instincts or just the nature of them. Like in uh, Twister, the villain of the Twisters, they're very motivated. old, Old Twisty. By uh, low pressure systems. Yeah. I, yeah. So I think that in these things, you, if you can relate it to the characters, that's the best way to do it. If you come up with a villain that's kind of alien, it's not that that won't be scary. It's not that mechanically in a role playing game that won't be a fun encounter. Fighting Darth Maul in that encounter would be really cool. That scene is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good scene in the movie because it's disconnected from the story. Right. And so, if you ideally you would do both. Ideally, you would have Darth Maul doing all those flips and cool shit, um, and chopping, stabbing Qui Gon Jinn through the stomach, yeah, um, and then getting chopped in half later on. But you would also have him trying to tempt you and McGregor or have it be that he had been a previous apprentice of Qui-Gon Jinn. Or mm-hmm. like he brings up his, his midichlorian levels and Qui-Gon Jinn's like weird thing with midichlorians is like, hold on, wait, I just can't even believe him. Yeah, it's my Liam Neeson accent. Oh, hold on. Sure. Um, and one, one benefit of that in particular that we, going back to the mystery, I guess, side kind of, that we have in role-playing games is we have the benefit of these moves that can kind of give you some some more information about them like a knowledge check or like a read a person kind of thing where you can get this kind of information that could be interesting like oh well, you can tell based on uh, I don't know the scarf that he's wearing that he's the one who killed your aunt 
and that's oh I'm really glad that you brought that up and I was wanting to wrap things up and I gotta I gotta say this if you're running that and doing that exact thing don't be afraid to have other scenes that interrupt what's going on and have a little flashback oh, and, yeah. and that you can then to go back to our previous topic yeah. you can get the other players to talk about this that we see this thing we know that this is something that connects and like oh this is the person who killed uh, they were there when when uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru were, yeah. were murdered. Like, this is that Stormtrooper leader. This isn't just any Stormtrooper captain. This is that one. Yeah. Um, like, that kind of a deal. Like, um, in, feel free to interrupt things because that those interruptions... What do you mean? Sorry, uh, what? <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> feel, feel free to, like, interrupt a combat... Um, and feel free to even interrupt a scene of like the characters are talking and then you do notice that scarf and even in the middle of that let's hop to another scene where we see that this is who this person is and I think that that can be can help it connect to the character it can help reveal certain mysteries of now we've figured out what's going on Um, and yeah it's a good way to to kind of do that foreshadow anything like we were talking about before like oh even if it's like a knowledge check for instance if it's not during the fight when you're trying to get dirt on them beforehand, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, they, they killed a whole village of nuns. Right. I mean, uh, Nuns are the worst thing to kill. Uh, uh, Bayushi Saigo in our L5R game, mm-hmm. when he's introduced, one of the things is he has those ribbons on his scabbard, on his say, mm-hmm. on the say of his sword. Um, and it's like, oh, you can tell that those are, I've defeated these opponents in duels. So, like, right from the, the get go, you can tell, like, oh, here's this thing going back I maybe would have established more info about those people to make it more impressive uh, but that was pretty it, impressive. there was a little something um, I have one more point I guess if we're wrapping up it's really important to make the villain satisfying to defeat Okay. so um, set up how awful they are I tried to do this real hard with the uh, in the D&D game Doyce, uh, the Stone Cold Reavers like the kind of the anti-adventurers um, the mercenaries. They're just lazy. They just sit around. Yeah. We're anti-adventurers. Yeah, I hate adventure. I'll stay, on the, I'll stay on the couch. No, kind of like the, the dark foil of the adventurers. Um, the mercenaries there. I Every time they... And in the actual module, they only show up in the very end adventure, which I thought was stupid. So I tried to do the advice I just gave to foreshadow them way ahead of time. So kind of... I had several scenes whenever... Um, Serafina Tealeaf was looking at the job board there just like these things suck I, I'm burping and kicking everything there's a speaking of kicking there's a like a theory in, in writing it's a whole book about it it's called uh, Save the Cat have you heard of that where uh, an easy just almost cheating way to in the first few minutes of a movie to show that someone's a hero is to you save a cat from a tree or something mm-hmm. With, with villains do the opposite. You kick a cat. It's, yeah. It's called kicking the cat. In um, in House of Cards, the Kevin Spacey show from Netflix. Yeah. Um, like, they very specifically do something like that in the yeah. very first episode where it's like, you kind of think like, okay, is this guy just kind of this shitty political operator where we're supposed to be oh, him as yeah, kind of right. like an, not an anti, almost an anti-hero, like a kind of like... Um, like I know where we're mean. supposed to sympathize more with him 
um, even though he's doing kind of like he's just in a bad world where a lot of things go on and then he goes outside and just stomps a dog to death yeah. and you're like oh no this man's bad like they didn't mince words with that I feel that's absolutely just like a, a tongue in cheek like hey writers you see what I'm doing here but it, it just like speaks to people on an instinctual level too if you don't know that technique too to, I mean, I did the same exact thing with the Stone Cold Reavers, like, in the... Um, Two episodes ago, I think. Yeah, like, very recently, they were just going to kick a cat, like, this cat that I set up with these, that these children adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Serafina saved the cat at the very last second. Yeah. And I set them up, like, uh, they kidnapped two of these children that are beloved NPCs. So it's, when she gets to defeat them it's hopefully going to be very satisfying because they're kind of the worst people ever. So, And that goes back into the foreshadowing, too, if you can kind of see those uh, like awful acts that, oh, I'm going to feel great by defeating these uh, whatever baddie this is. Like, it gets more, like, it makes the victory more, you know, amazing when you finally do face them and defeat them. That makes sense. Oh, I was also going to bring up Biff Tannen as a perfect example of that in pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like he's the, just like the shitty villain, dumbass who's just awful to every single person, not yeah. only after himself. And then when you finally defeat him in three movies, um, each time it's great, right? He just keeps being defeated in different timelines. As the exactly. Yeah. But yeah, so foreshadow stuff. Try to connect it to the characters, for sure. Leave some mystery. Uh, that also includes, in a mechanical sense, don't feel everything needs to be explained. Um, in the Powered by the Apocalypse world games, for instance, your big bad should probably have custom moves. Mm-hmm. Um, I really regret in... This might be a little too spoilery, because it's towards the end of the, the second or third to last episode of the L5R game that duel with Bayushi Saigo, I still to this day regret not having him have a custom move Mm. of like, okay, this guy's a duelist. When you duel him, here's how it works. Like, it doesn't work the same way other people work because this guy is such a badass, when you go to fight him, it doesn't work that way. Super spoilery. Yeah. Um, In the Reptile God, they had a bunch of custom moves, if you remember, too. Yeah. Well, that one hasn't come out at all. Exactly. Very spoilery. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so all those things help to make good villains, and um, if not, I mean, probably just a lot of hit points. Yeah. Just probably get, works. Just roll behind the screen and just, just keep keep giving them fucking maximum. Butt, buttload of hit points. Yeah, probably that, or like a lot of arms, like Goro style. Just send Bruce the shark after him. Bruce the shark. <laughs> Give him four arms. Mm-hmm. You're scaring That's me all I too need much. It. <laughs> you know my fear. <laughs> all right. Hopefully that helped you guys. If not, please. You're write. the real villain. You're the real villain. <laughs> You're the villain now, dog. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, folks, for this exciting episode of GM Advice from This American Dice. David and Austin will be bringing you some more great game stuff every Thursday and Friday, right here on this podcast feed. Be sure to like, subscribe, review, tell a friend. And uh, if you want to, uh, hopes and prayers and hopes and prayers and hopes and prayers. Thanks so much. We'll see you in just a little bit.